Hey everyone, it's Beverly Hallberg. Welcome to a special pop-up episode of She Thinks, your favorite podcast from the Independent Women's Forum where we talk with women and sometimes men about the policy issues that impact you and the people you care about most. Enjoy. Hi everyone. I'm Jennifer Braceras, Director of Independent Women's Law Center, and I am joined today by Julie Gunlock, Director of IWF Center for Progress and Innovation. Thanks for being here, Julie. Glad to be on. Thanks, Jennifer. So today we're going to talk about vaping, and I know this is something that you've written a lot about. And it's a topic that I think elicits a lot of knee-jerk reactions, primarily because there are so many misconceptions about the topic. And I confess that I myself had quite a few misconceptions about vaping until you educated me on on many of them. (laughs) So for those who who might have heard the hype but might not have actual experience uh, with vaping, let's just start with the basics. What is it? Well, Jennifer, thanks again for covering this topic because it is important. And I think, you know, I have a middle schooler. I also have elementary schoolers. And I know you also have, you know, kids in the teenage range. And so this is an issue that we deal with. We certainly hear about it from our own kids. Um, And so moms are very, very nervous about this. I say moms because really it is a lot of moms who are pushing for regulations and bans. Um, and so, so I am trying, at, you know, again, just like you, when I first got involved in this issue, I was a little bit nervous. And then I started reading both the health data and also the actual CDC data on, on how many teens are actually vaping. And I was relieved. And so that's what you're talking about. When I talk about this with other women, um, and, and particularly moms, I try to reassure them using the actual data, uh, which again, is, is very reassuring. The, the thing is with vaping, what vaping is, is it, it is an electronic version of, um, of, of nicotine, of getting nicotine in your body. So, uh, you know, we all know conventional smoking, traditional smoking uh, involves lighting a cigarette on fire and then um, it creates smoke and then you inhale that smoke into your body which is a way of getting the nicotine into your body, okay, because the, the tobacco contains nicotine. And so it is a nicotine delivery system. What, how an e-cigarette is different is there is no burning. What you do is you heat a, a liquid, which this is e-liquids, um, and they're usually flavored with a variety and of And no variety tobacco, of right, to be and, clear, and no, no, no cancer-causing right. tobacco. Right, no tobacco. Well, well, you know, we have to be careful here because tobacco itself is – it's not the tobacco necessarily that causes cancer. It is the burning of tobacco. It is the combustion that causes cancer. Um, but regardless, so there's no tobacco in vaping. Right, right. So there's there's basically liquid nicotine, okay? Um, and some people uh, uh, some people argue with that too because they say, well, nicotine is derived from tobacco. But 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 what we need to be clear about this is not you know, leaves of tobacco rolled up into a cigarette, okay? It's an e-liquid, contains nicotine. You heat it up, it creates a water vapor. Just like when you boil water over a stove, it creates steam. It looks like smoke, but it's actually steam. 
and then you inhale the steam. Um, and it, the, the liquid itself contains some ingredients. Very few chemicals are actually produced through this process as opposed to combustion, which produces thousands of chemicals, which you then take into your lungs. And I mean, you don't have to have a, a medical degree to say, hey, that's probably not smart. So the, the, uh, the water vapor is far less harmful to human lungs. And um, the um, um, Public Health England released a study uh, early last year um, where they measured it up to 95% less harmful than smoking. So again, if we if we're going to talk about you know bad habits, right? And and uh, and I would say like I don't want kids vaping and I don't want kids smoking, but certainly if they're going to choose a bad habit, you want them to choose one that is 95% less harmful than the alternative. So vaping is a far, far, far safer way to deliver nicotine. Now, right. the, 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 reason, the reason that e-cigarettes sort of came on the market was to help people switch from the very dangerous cancer-causing habit of smoking to the far less dangerous, not cancer cancer-causing um, habit of vaping. And the reason why this is so helpful for a lot of people is it mimics smoking. It looks like smoking. It feels like smoking. You get sort of a warm vapor in your mouth. Now, the flavors are a different thing, and we can get into that, um, into that later, but it mimics smoking. Again, the deep breathing, the hand-to-mouth contact, um, the, right, the, uh, right. the sort of maybe having to remove yourself from your desk and go outside. Um, so this is why it has been so successful. Um, the latest study is people are twice as likely to continue um, or to, to stay off cigarettes if they use vaping as opposed to uh, patches and gum. For women, vaping is particularly a uh, successful method of, smoke, of smoking cessation. So it, ha- it, it has right, been there's, very... There's so much more to smoking than just the intake exactly. of the nicotine it's really it's a habit um yes. that's that's both social physical um and i say this as somebody who you know was a smoker in college that aspect of going outside with a friend for a smoke or yes. just holding it in a certain way and all those aspects of it are are almost as hard to give up as as the product itself well, and, and the appetite suppressing qualities, you know, you, you, you sort of, you know, that's, that's a big part of why women smoke. And also there's this deep breathing aspect of it. And, and women sort of in particular benefit from, from these qualities. And I'm not, I'm certainly not saying there's any benefits to smoking, but I'm saying the habits are as hard to break as the addiction to nicotine. Nicotine is extremely addictive. That's hard enough. But then if you're asking women to also, or, or anyone to also give up these sort of physical habits that they've become accustomed to, I think, you know, people forget stepping away from your desk and sort of going outside, you know, that, that's, that's something that if you do it over 20 years, if you do it over two years, it, it becomes a habit. And so vaping sort of allows you to continue the physical habits of smoking, but you're getting far less, uh, you're, you're doing it 95% safer way. Um, yeah, that's a very good point. To, to quickly pivot to the teen smoking issue, you're going to see from CDC, and certainly this resonates with moms the most, you're going to see horrifying numbers, like 78% increase in, in, smoke, in, in, in teen vaping. Everybody's teen vaping. And you hear Scott Gottlieb, the former head of the, uh, the, the FDA, saying things like, it's an epidemic. And it's interesting. They actually did some word testing. They, did, they hired a PR, the, the FDA hired a PR firm to test all these words, crisis 
epidemic, disaster, right? To kind of figure out what was the best word that would panic people. I mean, it's kind of disturbing to me that the FDA is even doing this, but they found that the word epidemic worried women the most, worried moms the most. And so they went with it. Yet again, I say, you know, you had Scott Gottlieb out there saying, oh my God, it's an epidemic, you know, sort of, you know, suggesting these images of 13th century black death as people, you know, got some guy with a bell saying, bring your, bring out your dead, you know, and and, and it's just insanity. So of course, you know, I'm like, good God, you know, is this, is this true? And that's my job at IWF. You know, I just look at these things, these public health people claim and I, and I go and look at the data. It's not true. It's a complete lie. Let's just dial it back a bit to, you know, people's perceptions, right? And so as a mom, and I have two kids in high school, um, there does seem to be a lot of vaping going on. But I know that, as you've explained, that lots of kids might be trying vaping, but that doesn't mean they are habitually vaping. Is that the difference that we're talking about? Yes. So if you look at this, if you drop, if you dig down into the CDC data, and I know people have a life, so nobody has, nobody is going to do this, but that's sort of the, that's what's so great about, you know, when you have really complicated data tables, you know, most of the public, 99% of the public is not going to sit there on their computer and look for the asterisk and then go down and look at the little, in our spare little time. That who has time for this? But I did it, and there's a couple other people who did it. And so, if you actually look at the data, the question is past 30 day use. And let me explain that little that sort of term of art. Okay, so what the CDC did is they actually questioned teens, and they said, in the past 30 days, have you used an e-cigarette device? Okay, so a large number of teens said yes. Okay. And they said, yep, I've used it. So, so imagine you have, okay, so let's, let's take another sort of illegal for teens, like you know, alcohol. If, if a teen said it, once in 30 days they had a sip of beer or even one beer, would you claim that there was an epidemic of alcoholism among teens? No. You would say, okay, they were at a party. They were doing a bad thing, right? They were definitely doing something undesirable. Parents don't want their kids even taking a sip of a beer, okay? But would you say there's an epidemic of, of, you know, teen alcohol abuse or teen alcohol use? No, you would say, okay, teens are being teens and we wish they wouldn't do this, but it doesn't look like there's a massive um, alcohol abuse problem that requires. I I think the difference is, I think the difference is from, you know, just a public perception standpoint is that alcohol has existed for time immemorial, right? Whereas, whereas vaping is a new product. It's a new phenomenon. So, People think of it, you know, colloquially as an epidemic because 10 years ago it didn't exist at all. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so yeah. the difference between what teens were doing 10 years ago and what teens are doing now, I mean, if you put it in terms of alcohol, if there was no alcohol 10 years ago and then all of a sudden now teens said, oh, yeah, once a month I have a beer at a party, people would view that as an astronomical change and, and therefore they right. may – they might call it an epidemic, but it's not actually an epidemic as that term is appropriately right, defined. Right. And, and, and if you actually go into the CDC data and look, look, look at, um, and also there's a survey on, um, on tobacco use that the CDC also does, um, it, it, they're very consistent. It's actually the number of teen use of e-cigarette in a habitual way, okay, is 
around 5%. Okay, that's not an epidemic. That's, that's something public health officials should certainly look at, and we should try to get these teens to not vape in a habitual way. And why this, this distinction is important, Jennifer, is because when, when, you, when the CDC or when the FDA comes out and says it's an epidemic, and they say, you know, you know, some astronomical percentage of teens are vaping. And again, they're using that past 30-day question. They also then follow up by saying, and because of this, we're going to have a new generation addicted to nicotine. Well, if you once a month are at a party or even two or three times at a party are taking out your, you know, your jewel or your other e-cigarette device and you're puffing on it to look cool, that you're not vulnerable to addiction. Okay. It's, it's the habit. It's the it's the habit of smoking regular or vaping regularly that is going to going to make you um, addicted to nicotine. And so, what frustrates me is is they say this this outlandish number that is not 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 related to the actual data of habitual teen use. Then they say, and because of this, we're going to have an epidemic of nicotine addiction. So that's the connection that they're trying to make, that you have a whole new generation addicted to nicotine. They don't care that the, they don't ever mention that the device, that, that e-cigarettes are far, far safer. Or uh, And again, I'm not saying they're harm-free. I'm saying that they are 95% less harmful than traditional cigarettes. The other thing that the CDC and FDA... Wait, let me, let me just stop you because... Because what yeah. you what I hear a lot, right? What I hear other parents say is this is a gateway to smoking yeah. and a gateway to other right. things. So, how do you respond to to sure. the argument that this that this is going to hook people on something and ultimately they're going to become smokers? How do we know that's that that's great, not true? That, that, that's a great that's a great great question, and it is really important because you're right. Some people, okay, they might say, okay, it's not an epidemic, but certainly this is a gateway drug to other things or a gateway to smoking. The interesting thing is, again, if you look at the data, um, I consider vaping uh, uh, just an enti- just in- entirely an exit ramp from smoking, not a gateway drug, not an entrance ramp onto the highway of smoking. Because when you look well, at the well, data, well, for on adults, smoking, for adults, it's an off ramp for sure, right? Yes, yes. But it, but it, but actually, when you look at teens, teens are not smoking nowadays. The, the smoking rate among teens is at a historic low. And what's interesting is if you look at when, when e-cigarettes came onto the market in around 2000, well, they were, they were really, I think they consider it like 2010 because they started on the market in 2006, but it was harder to get. Anyway, so around 2010, you had a precipitous drop in teen smoking when e-cigarettes came on the marketplace and you're not and seeing a you're not seeing it. You're, you're not seeing. So, so it's been about 10 years that these things have been on the marketplace. And what, what I'm saying is. So it seems, it seems there's a certain, there's a certain percentage of kids, right. That you're saying would would gravitate towards that are going to experiment and would gravitate towards smoking cigarettes and are not doing so because there's an alternate product. What? Yes, exactly. What I am saying here is that we have, Teen vaping, we have teen smoking. Now, teen smoking of traditional combustible cigarettes is at a historic low. Yes, we have seen some increase in in, in teen vaping. But what I'm saying is, is that you're always going to have this demographic of teens who are going to try things, who are going to rebel. I actually smoked in high school and I smoked in college. And the reason I smoked in high school was because I didn't do anything else bad. I was like, I was literally, I didn't drink, I didn't stay out late. I was super, super good. But I, but I was like, I, this was this one rebellious thing that I did. And so, you know, for me, I might, I may, might be part of that demographic who 
we're go- I was, you know, I, I'm one of those teens that was going to experiment with cigarettes. And so what I'm saying now is kids are experimenting not with cigarettes, they're experimenting with vaping. And so, look, I, I don't want kids doing anything, but I don't think we're ever going to avoid a demographic of kids who are, who are doing that. Now, I never got, I never really felt addicted. It wasn't really hard for me to stop. And I sort of grew out of that a couple years into college. And probably because I wasn't smoking that much. But the point is, is you're always going to have these kids doing these things. And wouldn't we prefer them to be doing it with a healthier, a far, far, far healthier delivery system than with smoking? And this is the other critical thing, though, and what people seem to not understand is these products have been in the marketplace for 10 years. If there was this so-called gateway effect, we would see vaping rates go up. And then as those teens got older, we would see a switching over to, um, over to cigarettes. It's not just teen, va- teen smoking that's at a historic low. Adult smoking is at a historic low. We are not seeing that switch over at any point. And I think mm-hmm. part of it is because, look, there's been great education on smoking. People know smoking is bad for you. And so we're not, we're not seeing this sort of switch over from vaping to smoking. Um, that's great news. And, and, what, and, and again, what we cannot forget in this whole conversation is vaping has helped millions, millions of not just Americans worldwide. You have tremendous quitting rates over in, in England. Um, has helped millions of these former smokers or rather smokers switch over to vaping, which again is a, is a safer method of nicotine delivery. And so that's a, that should be a public health win. But instead, because of this so-called, this, uh, what I call a, this myth of a teen vaping epidemic, we have now calls to ban, to ban vaping altogether or smaller things like banning flavors, which we can get into that because that's essentially banning vaping and, and, uh, and doing other restrictions that would make it very hard for, for current smokers and former smokers to continue their, um, their far better habit of vaping. Yeah, I do want to talk about the flavor issue, but before we get into that, let's just talk for a minute about this so-called public health crisis. We've had a number of headlines in the past few months about people showing up at the hospital with lung disease caused by vaping or, you know, even, I think, 30-some-odd deaths from vaping. Yeah. And I I feel like we're at a bit of a moral panic about this at this point where it's, you know, People are coming in with these mystery illnesses, but it's not clear to me that um, they're being caused by the, the, the legal products out there on the market. But maybe so maybe yeah. you could explain that a little bit. Yeah, and that's also and we can talk about this as well. I would actually like to talk about about some of the lawsuits that have been have been filed against some of these companies. And they're related a lot to these these um, these new um health conditions, which the media, which frustrates me, always says the vaping-related lung diseases, it turns out it has very little to do with the actual vape mechanics and devices. Instead, it is a, it is a black, I, I wish they would switch this, uh, but I'm not, I'm not a headline writer, but, you know, I wish they would switch it to say black market, illegal, drug-related. These are much more accurate headlines, drug-related um, lung issues, black market-related, pro- you know, black market product-related uh, lung issues. Um, you know, again, it, the, because, and the CDC has backed this up, um, the CDC la- announced last month that every single sample of, uh, of the from, from people who were affected by these lung diseases and were either injured or died, they took samples from these people. They sent it off to the lab, and, you know, it comes back, oh, look, 
every single lung sample had vitamin E acetate, which is a, a, a in, in the sort of black market production, not regulated, not overseen by the FDA, black market production of some E flavors and THC uh, liquids. Um, and and not, not, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't have even said flavors. I'm talking about THC liquids that are then vapes. And people are buying these off the street. They're buying them on the black market. So that is not that vitamin E that you're talking about and that THC. That's not not, in Juul. That's not in what what most kids are doing. No, it's not. And and that's what's causing the lung problems. Right. That that vitamin E acetate is sticky. It's like honey. And it's used to sometimes cut. The, the essentially the the THC liquid. This is this is marijuana. The THC liquid um, to make it more to make it vaporize better. Okay, so again, okay. But this is an illegal illegal substance. Vitamin E acetate. You are not allowed to use it. You should not put anything sticky that that, it, that as a compound on its own is sticky because what will happen is you vape it. Yeah, it looks like a vapor. It looks perfectly safe. Then you vape it and it it hardens in your lungs. If you've ever taken bacon fat. And, you know, you, you run your sink, you, you run some water and the big fat, it, it cold water, it will harden. Well, or honey, right. honey, you know, when it's warmed up, it looks, you know, it looks like water. But then when you cool it, it turns to stone, you know, and so or to a hard substance. This is what occurred in these lung diseases. And so it has nothing to do. Look, it's, and it's also absurd because you will hear things like to say, you will hear people say the FDA doesn't regulate the e-liquids industry, man, the manufacturers of these e-liquids. The you know that 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 are are you, that you would buy in a in a vape shop. Well, that's not true. Gottlieb again, who I mentioned earlier, who's no fan of the vaping industry, he actually said in a Wall Street Journal op that he said, "Look, we've conducted the FDA has conducted millions of not millions thousands of of um of you know checks on vape shops and inspections of manufacturing sites, and they and, and they do testing on actual e liquids to make sure that they contain." The FDA approved what we know as grass um, uh, approved ingredients, and so these things are safe. The ones that are in a, in a, leg- a licensed and legitimate um, and regulated vape shop are safe. But again, in states where, for instance, THC products and marijuana is illegal, these people are buying these things off the street. It's a black market, and they're not regulated, and they're not safe. And so you have these lung diseases. So what's so sad is that you're seeing a conflation of a black market sold product with a regulated and infected, you know, vape liquid manufacturing product, manufactured product. And, uh, and then you get headlines like, you know, vaping is killing people and it's not the same. And as long as your child is, you know, you, you know, and again, children shouldn't be doing it anyway, but, but, uh, but it's really the drug relate related issues um, that are that are causing these lung diseases. Right. So these these headlines, these panicky headlines about the lung disease and the deaths and all that, have led a number of states, including the state I live in, Massachusetts, yeah, to temporarily ban the sale of these cigarettes. I think I think Massachusetts is one of seven states that have yes, um, that have frozen the sale of those uh, of, of e-cigarettes pending, you know, further investigation. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's really bad because, look, you know. Just just to play devil's advocate, right, why not hit the pause button while the CDC investigates further? Well, look, it's a good question, and some people see see that as a reasonable uh, step. But the bottom line is, and the problem is, is there are former smokers who use e-cigarettes to continue their cessation 
uh, sort of journey. Okay. And so they are, you know, when you do something like this, when you temporarily ban something, you will put thousands of vape shops out of business. And that means that these people will not be able to get the products that they need, the flavors that they need in order to vape and flavors. People think, Oh gosh, these sweet and dessert flavor and fruit flavors and, you know, bubblegum flavors, they only attract kids. That's not true. Again, the CDC data shows that adults prefer the same flavors as kids. And so, um, you know, people think that adult former smokers, well, then they, oh, well, they must only want tobacco flavor. They must only want menthol. That's not true. Actually, a lot of smokers prefer to go to, like, for instance, mango is a very popular flavor, and they prefer to go to something that's completely different um, than, than tobacco because they, they don't want to feel triggered. They don't want to be tempted to go back to cigarette smoking. And many of them actually enjoy the different flavors. And so by banning these things, you're really hurting. You might say, oh, it's for the kids, but you're really hurting former smokers who, if they don't get the flavor they want, or if the only flavor that's available is tobacco, um, they might feel like, you know, uh, I, I, now I, now I feel, now I need, I mean, we, 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 we've seen some testimony on this, how smokers, former smokers, you gotta, you, you gotta understand they, these people are addicts. They're addicts to nicotine and the way they became addicted was through traditional cigarettes. And if you force these people to only have a, uh, you know, a tobacco flavor or a menthol flavor, sort of what they, what they used to do. Um, it's a trigger and it, it will force a lot of people back to cigarettes. And also people will say, look, what's the point? What's the point of vaping? If I can't get a flavor that I like, I'll just smoke. It's just easier. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will, I will reasons- tell you that one thing we've seen a lot of here in Massachusetts, which, you know, we're a relatively small state and it's, it's easy to zip over the border to New Hampshire yeah. um, and yeah. buy stuff that you can't buy here. And we have seen and heard anecdotally and, 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 and as well as, you know, more serious investigation, people lining up at vape shops in New Hampshire to get their stuff. Um, yeah. And the other thing I, I know about actually personally is I have a friend's daughter who knew that the governor was going to ban e-cigarettes and stockpiled them before it happened and is now selling them out of her right. dorm room. Right. So people See, are going to get what they, what they want. They're going to find a workaround. They're going to find a workaround. And what we're going to see, too, is that the federal government, you know, you know President Trump announced this ban. Uh, he's now backed off of it. But certainly these, these you know, governors are doing the same. You're going, you're, you, you nailed it there. People are going to get it. They're going to get the flavor they want. And you know where they're going to get it from? They're going to get it from the black market. And we're going to see more lung injuries. We're going to see them coming in from China. We're going to see them coming in from Mexico. We're going to see them coming in from people making them in their bathtubs. And then we will see more lung injuries because you know what? They'll use some sort of ingredient to cut this, to, to cut the flavor, to cut the e-liquid and, and to make it more vapor, to ease, more easily vaporized. And it will be a, it will be a pro, a, an ingredient that will harm people. And there's no regulation of the black market. That's, that's why people, that's why a lot of people make a lot of money off the black market. So, the, the answer is really to keep these things in the marketplace and to regulate them. And look, fine, tax them, do whatever. Ban bulk sales, raise the age. There, there are some things that we can be doing that will help this problem, but making it illegal and then hurting actual smokers, um, that's, that's what's really concerning. But, you know, these, these headlines are also driving, um, you know, the state, you know, attorneys generals in the states to sue manufacturers. Because I think they know that they sort of have a, 
certainly the public will applaud them. Um, and we had a lot, and I'd like to ask you, uh, the, the lawyer on the call, about some of these um, about some of these lawsuits. We've seen one in New York um, recently against Juul itself. Juul is one of the most popular e-cigarette companies. Um, how do you feel about? Have you read much about these lawsuits, and and how do you feel about them? Do they have a chance, and how will this affect the industry? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, the attorneys general of New York, California, and North Carolina have all brought suits. Um, against Juul, and typically I'm against these type of lawsuits against any legal product where you have politicians um, suing, you know, a company for making a legal product and essentially trying to reap a financial windfall, and right. you know, and and basically, you know, pay off state debts and and, and fund pet projects and just get more money for their for their state or their local government by going after a deep pocket, um, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, lawyers like to call it regulation by litigation, right? They, right, right, they right. sort of fail to be able to regulate a product um, because maybe there's not political support for doing so. And so they bring these lawsuits to try to extract changes. But what they also try to do is, is just get a huge windfall for the government. And they did it, they did it with yeah. tobacco and they're, they're trying to do it um, with, with oil and gas, although I have to say they've been very unsuccessful there, um, and you know they've they've tried to do it with with opioids by going after the pharmaceutical companies. So it's really just another um, example of sort of political litigation, which generally yeah. I don't approve of. I think what's a little bit different about these lawsuits is they don't seem to be using the public nuisance theory. Um, that's been used with other products. They're they're really um, using specific state laws that um, prohibit marketing of these products yes. to use or selling to use. Yes. And they're claiming, and I, you know, I don't know what the facts are, um, and you know whether the allegations are true. But they're claiming that companies, um, you know took emails from from young people and then direct marketed to them products that they shouldn't have been marketing to 14-year-olds. So that's, yeah. you know, that's a factual dispute that, you know, I, I'm not, I can't weigh in on that. But that's one of well, the types of claims. It's interesting, too, though, that they also claim that, but one of their claims is that, okay, Jewel targeted them, Jewel sold to minors, but, but they but if you look at the data on minors and how they get a hold of these things, they don't, they don't just walk into a 7-Eleven and buy them. I mean, again, this is part of this, this data that the CDC has, has gathered that it shows that the vast majority, I don't know the exact percentage, but it's very high um, of teens obtain these jewel, these, you know, jewel pods and, and jewel products and all e-cigarette products, again, not from retailers, licensed retailers, they receive them from kind of these bulk sale things. You mentioned, you know, a, a, a young woman you know who's selling things out of her, um, out of her college dorm. Um, they're 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 getting them from friends and family members and people they know. So what's what's kind of interesting to me is that seems to be kind of a killer of the suit. If you're suggesting, um, and I'm you know, I'm reading about this suit. I have it up on my screen right now. You know, it's like the the attorney general of New York New York is saying, you know. And the marketing question is, 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 again, I don't know the details of that either, but, but 
Um, but even so, but she says like, you know, they were selling it. They actually, she actually says, you know, they were, they were selling these things to teens, but there's really not a lot of evidence that teens are getting it this way in, 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 in like from right. retailers. So, well, so I, me, think I, mean, again, I think what's interesting is, you know, there's one thing to say, um, you can't deliberately sell to youth or, 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 um, you know, do direct marketing where you're sending them emails, or giving yeah. them coupons and stuff, right? Right, but, right. But, but one of the other claims, I, I believe in the New York suit, if not all of them, really just has to do with advertising and the image that's portrayed. So, you yeah. know, one of the lawsuits says that it's illegal that these companies um, had an ad with a model, beautiful-looking model, and I think the, you know, the tagline was um, lights, camera, vapor. Okay. Why is that okay. illegal? Why is that right, illegal? I, I mean, it's it's a legal product, well, and everybody's going to try to to make their product look attractive. Cool. Well, but, but this is the other thing. This is the other thing. Juul is the most popular e-cigarette device, not just with teens, but with adults too. And the reason is it's cool. Okay. It looks like an HB. It looks like a what are the thumb drives? It's, it's, it's easy to hide, like, you know, even, you know, I don't, I don't think a lot of adults even want, like, they're, you know, some of these, some of these e-cigarette devices, and I don't mean to disparage any e-cigarette device, but they look, they look like, um, like those, those uh, removable hard drives, they're huge, right, or they're, they kind of look a little bit un, unwieldy, and so Juul is, um, is very, it's small, it's sleek, it's tight, and uh, and it's attractive to everyone again, not just teens. It's just the it's the overall right, right. And it, it can't be it can't be from a legal standpoint that any time you try to market a legal product as being cool, that that means you're marketing right. to kids, right? I mean that can't right. be the legal standard. And I, so I think those claims will certainly fail. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's kind of it's just kind of silly um, because I think the other thing that people, I mean, I feel like I think the people filing these lawsuits don't have kids or don't like don't have have no sort of interaction with kids because kids want to do what's new and cool kids like i mean you look at technology right you know you know some of these like it's amazing some of these coders they like, look at mark you know the, the the founder of facebook right he was like a young kid when he started you know messing around with this this new technology and so you know w when there is a new technology kids like that stuff and so i think it fails to sort of understand how kids operate and you know if if if, if when i mentioned that demographic of teens who are going to experiment um you know no matter how much we try to tell them not to do this stuff um you know the, the teen rebellion and teens doing things that adults don't want you to do is pretty common and so again they go for like the new fangled thing like the new form of smoking which was and you know at least when they first came out in the market were seen as okay that's a jewel or an electronic cigarette and so i i feel like a, a, a like these lawsuits as i read about them you know oh you know they they targeted kids and they did I, you know i just don't see it as that easy i think that you know again kids are going to do what's new and hot and cool and um and the the newest thing um the newest form of technology uh, across the board that's that's a, a, an attraction to kids. Um, right. So it'll be interesting to watch these. It and will. And as out. was, you know, as with so many of the issues, I think that IWF researches, this is really one of those issues that it is so much more complicated and nuanced than, than the headlines would suggest. 
right? And so yeah. thank you yeah. for the work you're doing, um, demystifying it and sort of rebutting the misperceptions that are out there so that people can, you know, make informed decisions about what they think about vaping. Thanks, Jennifer. And, and you know, our goal at, 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 you know, and sort of my goal at the Center for Progress and Innovation is to sort of bring relief. I mean, ultimately, I was, you know, I, I started writing in this way because I was an incredibly nervous mom from everything my child was coming in, into contact with. And then again, when I took the time, and I'm really, I'm, 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 it's been really nice to, to have a job where I'm paid to look into these things because it's brought me a lot of relief. And so um, hopefully, you know, the research that I'm doing and the work that you're doing, obviously, at the Law Center, focusing on this too, um, can, can bring some parents a, a little bit of a relief about this so-called epidemic. And where can people read more of your of writings on this topic? So um, I've written for about on this issue, everything from National Review to USA Today, but everything is logged at IWF.org. Just go to the About Us and click on my lovely picture, and all of my writing is listed below there. Great. Thanks for being here, Julie. Really appreciate the conversation. Thanks for having me on. If you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks, we'd love it if you could take a moment to leave us a rating or review on iTunes and share this episode on social media. From all of us here at Independent Women's Forum, you're in control. I think, you think, she thinks.